0: Welcome everybody to the Contrarian Daily. My name is Jake Julius and I'm joined by Chris Jong. And today we're going to be talking about Ukraine and Russia a little bit and doing some updates on where we're at with that and some broader analysis and discussion around that topic, but also talking about some of the things that are going on on our own shores. Because It's important not to lose sight of that and the tyranny that's actually happening on our own shores and what's happening in Eastern Europe can provide a great distraction, but I think that it's important to also hone in on what's going on over here and a big new revelation today in that Woolworths has announced that they're going to be sacking all of their unvaccinated staff. So we've got a great article about that and uh, it's going to be a good one. So
1: how are you, Chris? Yeah, very, very well made as well as it could be on this uh, Monday, 28th of February. And uh, yeah, look, I just want to echo those sentiments as well. Like there's obviously a lot going o- on over in the Ukraine right now with the Russian invasion. However, we do still have a lot of tyranny that is marching onwards here in Australia, uh, specifically this about the uh, Woolworths decision as well, which we'll cover as well during this uh, this episode.
0: Yeah. So first of all, I think that we should maybe provide a few updates on what's going on in Eastern Europe at the moment in Ukraine with uh, the conflict over there. And perhaps we'll start with you on that one, Chris.
1: Yeah, mate, I'll just uh, queue up these, uh, let me just unplug these headphones and queue up some footage to see what's going on over there. There's been plenty happening. Um, And again, guys, just make sure you go check out these guys over here, Funko 530. So what we're gonna look at here first is a Russian cruise missile hitting a high rise apartment uh, from multiple angles, which is absolutely, it's wild to watch. It's so surreal to see this. And this is, this is footage from around two days ago, this came through, uh, of the cruise missile hitting the high rise, which again, is just mind-boggling. Now this one here came out, I believe, uh, yeah, yesterday, this is actually footage of Ukraine troops knocking out uh, what's called a Tiger M convoy, so Tigers, from what I can understand anyway, are like an infantry uh, fighting vehicle, so they basically, it's like a souped up four-wheel drive essentially with a big machine gun on top and we can watch the ukrainian guys engage so you'll see the burnt-out wrecks of the the tigers on the left-hand side there and the ukrainian soldiers all wearing the yellow armbands to identify themselves uh firing what looks like i think it's an rpg not that i'm a military expert But these guys, the, the fighting is definitely very very real, and from all um all the all the footage and the indications we're getting is that the attack, the the Russian attack, is not going as quickly as they they want to. Uh, it's been actually slowed down quite a lot. They've been taking a lot of casualties as well. Uh, there's been reports of two uh, of the, I think it's the the transport aircraft, IL or something's uh, being shot down. Which uh, if they have um a full complement that's between 100 to 150 Russian soldiers per plane uh that would have been taken out which is it's not nothing
0: so you think that that would have been casualties in the hundreds for Russia
1: yeah those two planes being shot down from what the again this is from the Funka 530 and also S2 Underground um they they reported that if those two planes were shot down because they were uh taking part in paratrooper activities that that would be between 100 to 150 per planes so that, that's quite a lot again it's not a huge amount when it comes to the russian army overall but it's definitely going to be leaving some marks you know and it's unfortunate yeah, and i really, mean like you said before we,
0: before we went on air chris that there's no winners in war and that's no. the lives of you know most likely a few hundred young men that have just lost their lives you don't know whose son that is whose whose husband right. that is uh, it's just it's it's just devastating stuff and it's it seems just so unnecessary
1: yeah it really is it really is and and look we can actually get some footage of um russian troops being uh interrogated Mm. uh if you want to get into more of the 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 i guess the humanness of war because they're not they're not bad they're just basically being asked all these different questions if we can see the the footage from that as well this here was um i think it's uh yeah it's saying here the uh the night before the the main attack in either sumi or kiev um this is basically a, the a trumpet playing the ukrainian national anthem and i thought this was very very chilling to hear <laughs> And then hearing at the end there, I'm trying to find what the translation is. I think it's like long live Ukraine or something along those lines there at the very end. That's-
0: It was no, that's incredibly good. chilling.
1: Yeah, 100%. And this last one here we'll look at before we look at some other things here. So this is what they're calling a Giga Chad Ukrainian soldier. He's doing a bit of a, a say up here. This guy here, I watched this video and I was like, man, we are so fortunate to have people like this in our world. Just uh for those of you who are who are listening to this on the podcast, unfortunately, we'll have to come and watch the video to see the translation. So if you if you are listening to this audio only uh, and you want to see what this guy's saying, come along and watch it on YouTube, Rumble or Face- Facebook.
2: Нравятся ли вам наши Байрактары? Как вы думаете, что это над вами сейчас летает? Как вы думаете, что это шушит в кустах, пацаны? Какие у вас есть мысли по этому поводу? чтобы это могло быть, блядь? Ребятки, вам пиздец. Вы сейчас остановились. У нас все хорошо. Мы подтягиваем резервы. У нас есть авиация. У нас есть танки. У нас есть все. Бонжопа, парни... Давайте так, давайте нахуй в плен, пока есть такая возможность. Многие ваши уже выбрали этот путь, он не самый херовый на самом деле. Мы с пленными, возможно, это ошибка, но мы к пленным относимся довольно хорошо. Поэтому сейчас достали, а дальше мы начнем вас гонять. И делать мы это будем прямо сейчас. Поэтому используйте свой последний шанс.
1: I absolutely love that video. So for those of you who, who maybe didn't get all that, this is basically a Ukrainian soldier at the nighttime taunting the Russians, saying, hey, look, whatever you hear rustling in the bushes, that's probably my guys, and we're going to come and get you, basically. Um, and again, like, just the balls on that guy there is, a, is absolutely uh, incredible to see. And yeah, there's so, so much more
0: face like to it as well. And, I mean, we have seen stranger things happen in history. I mean, you look at wars such as the Seven Day War in Israel when Israel beat all of of the surrounding countries around them and just just went on the front foot and attacked. And it was like, it was an amazing victory for Israel. So we've seen stranger things happen. The Vietnam War, another one where the Americans just couldn't get the upper hand against the Vietnamese because they were on their home soil and the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong were just so
1: crafty. So. 100%. And not just that, but the Ukrainian civilians here, again, hats off to them. They're extremely courageous. They are doing whatever they can to support their military. There's there's footage here of them uh, weaving camouflage nets. There's also footage of what appears to be a civilian um, throwing Molotov cocktails at a, uh, an armored column that's going past. And there's also footage of uh, a group of civilians here making thousands of Molotov cocktails as well. These guys are not giving up. They're not giving in. And I, again, you just can't help but admire them. But then again, on the other side of things too, you know, you definitely got to feel for the, the Russian soldiers on the ground mm. everyone on the ground essentially because again, my position in this is it's the people that suffer um, when the elites want to, you know, prove a point or go to war. And I think they're the ones that we should all be angry at, uh, essentially on, on all sides, because, again, we know that the US isn't innocent. We know that Russia is definitely not innocent. Uh, mm-hmm. and It's just the, the people on the ground now. I don't know if you want to look look at this too, but we've got a, a bit of footage of the Russian Spetsnaz actually looting uh, a store in the Ukraine, which goes to prove the point that they are actually very disorganized. Um, yeah. There's lots of reports of them actually dropping uh, their wounded off at Ukrainian hospitals because they don't have the aid station set up as well. So you'll notice here in this video here that they, they're wearing the red armband. So what appears to be uh, the markings is the, the Z symbols on the uh, armored vehicles indicate Russian as well as the red armbands also indicate Russians and the yellow armbands are indicating the uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, soldiers. So this is footage of the the Spetsnaz looting uh, one of the Ukrainian markets. Again, just trying to pick up just basic supplies. Uh, And there's many reports coming out that they're actually short on ammunition. They've got no food, they've got no water, they're they're out of fuel. There's um, uh, Russian vehicles have been left by themselves, abandoned because they run out of fuel are uh, also individual Russian armored vehicles just going by themselves, which is very uh, unusual. What what they're saying here in the front of 530 is the fact that what it indicates is either their column has been destroyed and they're the only ones that are left or perhaps they're the only ones that have got petrol left, they're looking for supplies as well. And again, I don't know if you want to get into this one here, but this is a um, Russian captive speaking to his parents uh, on the phone. I don't know if you want, to, do you want to get into this one here as well. Yeah, I'll translate it if you'd like yeah yeah there's nothing bad in here at all uh that you know he's yeah. just literally him him talking to his parents and he's got some wrapping around his head because it looks like it's been burnt right so some sort of wound uh should I translate way it way. or do you wanna just leave it uh it's up to you mate it's, it's again if you, if you're watching the your audio you can watch the translation it's a sub- bit hard because there's
0: two people speaking so just we'll probably leave the translation out
1: okay yeah too easy just again watch the subtitles if you're uh, listening to the audio audio come to the video and watch the subtitles
2: yeah put little bye. В плену. Чё, правый, что? Да. И Не знаю, надо что-то решать, что-то делать. Вы что мама, мама, когда он Она сейчас очень сильно да, да, мам. Я в плену, Проводи, где ты в плену? Конкретно где ты? Как это? Так, на Украине в плену. Сказали, едите на Украину, мы поехали Мам, никто ничего не знал Я не знаю, чего делать Надо что-то решить Просите что? не Не знаю, мам Помощь нужна Я не знаю Скажи, что с тобой будет хорошо Я не обижаю Все поехали А где ты попал, да? Я не знаю. Ну, ты сейчас где-то Ну, на Украине местности я не знаю, мам. Да я ты- не знаю. Говори, пусть мама обращается. Мама, обращайтесь к командирам, позвони к кому-нибудь. Пусть на площади дяди...
1: Yeah, wow. It really, yeah, brings that humanness there. Um, you can just imagine the the thoughts and feelings running through, obviously, that soldier's mind, but also his parents' mind as well. And from the Ukrainians' perspective, like it's great um, marketing for them as well. Obviously, the fact that they've they've got the captives and um,
0: and there's been lots yeah. of these videos
1: as well. And it does make you there's question. Lots.
0: Obviously, yep. there will be casualties and captives on either side, but it does make you question at the same time what exactly how exactly the Russian game plan, if you will, is going at this stage, because it is definitely a lot slower than they would like, because the slower it is and the more, dr- the more drawn out it is, the more attention come on them and, and the more that the whole world starts to react. So obviously Putin would have wanted to do this pretty quickly, short and sharp, get in, take where he needed to go. So it also makes me wonder about what the end game is for Putin and for the Russians, because is he there to take the whole of the ukraine or is he there to make a political statement to say i'm not fucking around and if you guys continue to push that your know, borders of nato i will cause a war so is he going to continue to push through or is he going to take the eastern part of ukraine which is ethnically russian which actually would prefer to be a part of russia and then leave the rest of them it what do you think
1: yeah, I, I think it's going to go for the whole Ukraine, only because all the there's a lot of attacks that are happening to the west, and then Belarus. The the border there is on the northwestern part of the, the Ukraine, and they're pushing for Kiev. So, I think there's the I think it's the Danube River um, is the what separates the eastern from the western side of the Ukraine, and that's where a lot of people prior to the war were speculating if Russia wanted to take only part of the Ukraine, they'd push in to that point, and that would be it. Uh, but the fact that it is attacking from the northwest, essentially, um, again, if you watch the S2 Underground uh, updates, you'll see there's essentially fighting on all sides of the Ukraine. Uh, in the southwest, in Moldova, there's um, fighting along the border there. In the south from the Odessa, the east, the northeast, the north, northwest, they're pushing from all different angles. And from what we're seeing as well, uh, Putin's not very happy, obviously, with, with the progress. They've committed about a third of their troops that are around the border. Um, so they haven't committed their full force here yet, obviously. Um, but uh, apparently one of the military, high-level military generals has actually retired, uh, resigned and another one's been found uh, who has ended himself, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, factually that he's ended himself or someone helped him, I don't know. But definitely Putin is not happy with the progress that we're seeing so far.
0: Yeah. But I mean, the thing that makes me question it as well is that we we see posturing from people like Putin all the time. and. I I do wonder if because he probably knows the implications of war with America. So is he making a statement to NATO saying, hey, look, this is what I can do, I can actually surround Ukraine from all different angles, and I can, you know, take care if I want to? Or is he actually going to do it? Because Russians have a, like a cyber capability that is on par with America. Russians and Americans have the, the biggest cyber capabilities in the world, right? So if Putin really wanted to, he could probably shut off the electricity, he could shut off the Wi-Fi in Ukraine. And you wonder why he hasn't done that yet, because if they wanted to do a swift takeover of Kiev, the best thing to do would be to, first of all, cut off the electricity and Wi-Fi so that people couldn't get messages from from the rest of the world and they could just basically deprive them of those key resources.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, The other thing, though, is the optics of it, though, might not be so good. There's also um word where Biden actually gave China all their intel on Russia um, prior to the invasion here. And then China being no friend of the USA has passed it on to Russia. And so what what might be happening is maybe uh, Putin knows what Biden will and won't do and how far he can go and is probably gonna push it all the way up to that point as well.
0: I did hear that as well. And mm. I don't know what they're thinking giving intel to China because it's clearly they're in the they're in bed with the Russians. It's insanity.
1: Yeah, it's insanity.
0: I mean, they came together during the Winter Olympics and they, they basically said just you know, in the calm before the storm on the eve of this invasion, they came together and said, hey, look, we're we're, at, we're allies now. So we believe that Taiwan is a part of China and that Ukraine is a part of Russia. So I don't know. I don't know what would be would have been going through their minds to give any sort of intel to China.
1: Yeah, well, this is where you can get like the conspiratorial mind can start running.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, in Ukraine, you currently have international broadcasts still being shown. So the longer this takes for Putin and for Russia, the worse it is. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that if they wanted to, Russians, they could just rubble these cities like they did in Chechnya in 2000 or like they did in Syria with brutal carpet bombings. So... There is that possibility. So the reluctance to use those cyber capabilities and to just use heavy-handed military tactics like carpet bombing makes
1: me think that perhaps the end game may not be to actually annex Ukraine. I don't know about that. I think definitely feels to be leveling cities with carpet bombing that would trigger a lot of uh, a much higher international response, I think. So I think what he's trying to do here Uh, And also, again, you'll see this with the escalation of uh, force as well. So I think what he's trying to do here is trying to take the Ukraine with the minimal casualties to the civilian population, because I know at the very, very beginning, they're actually trying to do what they could to try to prevent civilian um, casualties. And uh, there's even footage here, again, we can go to where civilians literally just stood in front of the armored cars and they just turned around, or the armored vehicles, and the vehicles turned around. Now, though, in the last 24 hours, there's footage where the civilians stood in front of the armored vehicles and instead of turning around, they started shooting at their feet and over their heads as warning shots. Right. And they just drove on. So I think um, the the cyber part of it, I don't know why he's not using that because that'd be a lot less uh, of a, a a bad thing to look at from an outside side of things, but definitely any sort of excessive military force. I think it's one thing to bomb the heck out of Syria and things like that. And another one to, to do the same in the Ukraine, which I think would be, uh, again, as we are saying prior to the show as well, it's very, very different uh, just culturally. There's a lot of people who know people from Ukraine and also Russia and these sorts of areas, whereas not so mm. much from Syria. So I think if he was to go ahead and be excessive with the military force in the Ukraine, that would trigger a much higher and heavier uh, international response. And I think he doesn't really want that, obviously.
0: Mm. I do tend to, I mean, I'm no expert on this, obviously. Mm. We're not experts on this, but I do tend to question the mainstream narrative a lot. And when, when I see like heavily anti-Russia and heavily pro-Ukraine, especially in the American mainstream media, the CNNs and what have you, it does make me want to question it a little bit more. And and I think that uh, in terms of Ukraine, we can get the video off of Tulsi Gabbard speaking. Uh, Tulsi put it really, really well that the Ukraine are being hailed in the media as some going- little utopian democracy, uh, perfect democracy. And it's just not, that's just not the case. And I think... You can play the video because Tulsi Gabbard sums it up perfectly.
2: Yeah. going to hear on the mainstream media. What you do hear is warmongers arguing that we must protect Ukraine because it is a quote unquote democracy. But they're lying. Ukraine isn't actually a democracy. For example, to hold on to power, Ukraine's president shut down the three TV stations that were openly criticizing him and his policies, imprisoned the head of the opposition political party, that had come in second place in their elections and went and arrested and jailed that party's leaders. This is exactly what Putin has been accused of doing, but Ukraine did this all with the support of the United States.
0: And I think that's a really good point. And it's something that you have to look at because Ukraine and the United States have a pretty good relationship. And, and I mentioned this a few episodes ago And that Hunter Biden was on the board of a few Ukrainian companies getting a lot of unearned money and unearned positions. You also had the 2014 election in Ukraine, whereby America actually funded the ousting of that government and they armed Ukraine and they placed a government that... Look, Putin's reasoning for going into Ukraine right now is the denazification of Ukraine. And you know, I don't know the ins and outs and the finer details, but I have heard from some sources that I do trust that the 2014 election was actually was funded by America. They America armed Ukraine and it was there were neo-Nazis involved in that government. So it's an interesting it's an interesting story once you go a little bit deeper into it. And you do wonder from Russia's perspective. And obviously, Russia are in the wrong here because they are the ones who are waging war. But from Russia's perspective, NATO is something that is designed to, to uh, is, is designed to go against Russia. It's fundamentally to combat Russia as a country and their in, their ambitions and their intentions. So obviously, the Russians don't want the expansion of NATO, and that's all it's ever done since its since its inception is just expand and expand. And I'm absolutely not saying giving any credence to Putin at all right now. But what I am saying is that instead of just pushing the limits and pushing the limits and pushing the limits until an inevitable war happens, perhaps there would have been diplomacy would have been the best option here, and perhaps communication between the countries would have been the best option here. And we had that a little bit with Trump, I felt. I felt like Trump had a better relationship with Putin. And now that Biden's in office and it's just it's 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 really gone to shit. So.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. There's a lot to say with what you were just saying there as well. NATO was actually formed to counter the Soviet Union. So there's arguments for when the Soviet Union collapsed that NATO should have at least wound down and wrapped up as well, which is, again, it didn't do. And as you said, it's been continuing to expand and expand and expand. And we also have to remember remember that the same media that's telling us all this stuff about Russia right now is the same media that's been lying to us over years about Mm -hmm. the whole coronavirus situation, all those bits and pieces there too. So definitely need to take it with a grain of salt I think that um, I guess I think about when you start tying things together. Uh, you mentioned Trump there. I agree. I don't think this would be happening if Trump was in power. And then you start to think about why they were so, uh, uh, I guess, concerned about getting him out of office. Why, literally, all the corporations—not mm-hmm. even putting aside any any sort of uh, election meddling type situation with the the thing, which I definitely have my opinions on, and I'm sure everyone else does too. But uh, in Time magazine post the election, there was actually an article about the fact that all the big corporations and companies in America banded together to try to push the Trump Trump out of um, office as well. So mm. regardless of that, there's been a big push. And when you start to tie things together, especially in the context of the Great Reset, uh, it, it does start to make a little bit of sense, at least, because right now what we're seeing as well is a big um, it's a distraction from everything that's been happening in the West, but also a bit of division, too, where... You have people on, you know, the freedom movement who are against the media mm. now starting to fracture, I believe, anyway, in terms of those who are supporting the Ukraine and those who are supporting Russia because they're so anti-media. And so mm. when you sort of divide that sort of focus, you know, you're going to have a bit of a, um, yeah, l- less of a pushback against the stuff that they're trying to push out here in uh, the West.
0: Absolutely. And I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there as well in the fact that I don't trust CNN trying to tell us or or any mainstream uh, media in Australia, for that matter, trying to tell me that they're so worried about democracy, because Mm -hmm. what we've seen over the past few years is the systematic trampling of our human rights in so many different departments. Where were they when that was happening? Where were they when vaccine mandates? Where are they when vaccine mandates are still going on to this day? Where were they when we were locked down in our homes, where were they when all the evidence started to come out about the adverse reactions of vaccines and the fact that these—God, oh we're going to get kicked off YouTube at this, this point—where <laughs> were they when the, yeah, when the evidence started to come out and the numbers started to come out uh, to show that lockdowns are inhumane and that you know people who get the juice are still going to pass on the virus, and yet that we still have mandates. And we'll go into this much more. And, and furthermore to this, in terms of geopolitics as well, I, I, don't buy it, I don't buy it at the same time because where were they when the Kurds have been displaced in Iraq? Where were they about the I've war in to... Yemen that's been happening, the mm. absolutely atrocious human rights that have been going on in Yemen by a Saudi Arabian government that's being backed by the US? Where were they for that? Where were they for Afghanistan? Where were they for Iraq? The a million Iraqi civilians that died. Even China. Uh, if we're going to talk about the Uyghur Muslims, where are they for that? So please get off your high horse, mainstream media. Do not tell me about, you know, human rights violations and the, and tr- trying to protect democracy in the world when they're trying to deprec- protect the democracy of a country that's not even a democracy. We are a democracy. The Western experiment is the greatest thing to ever happen to human civilization. So you know, where where are they protecting the actual fundamentals of democracy in the world?
1: Yeah, just you know, the co- a comment came up from Karen as well that Skoma needs to worry about what's happening in his own backyard instead of commenting on what Russia's doing. I agree 100%. And I think also Skoma was saying that, you know, Australia will always stand up for freedom and rights and things like that. What about the rights of its own citizens, as they've just been saying? I heard um Dennis Prager, I think it was, say that democracy does not equal freedom. And that is a big a big thing because we're we're raised to think that democracy is awesome and incredible and it's the the best uh operating system we have as a society however uh you have the situation right now where the the quote-unquote masses are voting for not freedom right because Mm. of all the fear and all the, the media lies and manipulation they've been manipulated into voting for um i guess all these lockdowns and the mandates and stuff and so you know i think they're probably genuine in saying that they want to protect their democracy uh, but it's not the same democracy that we're all thinking is what's actually in place because, again, we think of democracy as freedom and fairness and all those bits and pieces there, but it's definitely not the reality that we're living in right now. Uh, and, again, that's just uh, proof in the pudding is the whole Woolworth situation right now as well, which I might actually just pull that up now. Um, just before we
0: move on, Chris, I just want to say yeah. that I think that Dave Smith is a guy who that everyone can kind of listen to. If you guys want to go towards somebody who does pretty regular podcasts He's a libertarian from the US, his name's Dave Smith. He's got, a, he's got a podcast called Part of the Problem and he's a really great one to go and listen to. And I've been listening to him a lot. And basically the contention of some of these more alternative sources and it makes you realize that when you watch the mainstream media, you might be sucked into thinking that the West has to do something, that America has to do something. And whilst we, we probably do have to do something, we have to think and cooler heads have to prevail before we go to war with the country. Where collectively we have 90% of the world's nuclear arms at our disposal, this is civilization-ending,
1: ending stuff that we're talking about here. So, well, it has um, a potential for sure. Mm. And uh, yeah, Karen just had a comment there as well that not much hope when he, being Scomo, calls Australian citizens as sheep. And um, mm. yeah, I would agree, but also I'd probably argue that he's right in calling sheep. Just looking at the response from from most people, and it's, it's incredibly disappointing for me to say that I thought we weren't a country of sheep, but the vast majority of people, as we've seen, have been at least four or not standing against mandates. The, the freedom movement has uh, it's come from very, very, small roots and it's growing for sure, but it's still a minority compared to most people in Australia here too. So hmm. did you want to actually get the Candace video up as well at all before we go to the Woolworths one or did you want Yeah, to- we may as well. I mean, I think it's just obviously a pretty
0: hilarious indictment on who is leading the charge in the United States. And you actually, you never really know who's leading the charge in the States, but I think that uh, the Kamala Harris and Joe Biden partnership is a is truly a disaster. I mean they 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 never even they were never even they never even liked each other. You look at the um, debates that they had before Biden got in when they were trying to get the um what was it called the primaries when they nominee. were trying to yeah, the nominee. become the nominee. And yeah. Kamala Harris is blatantly calling him a racist <laughs> and just yeah. the most insulting things and now they're supposed to be buddy buddy and and I just can't think of a person that I would, I can't think of a worse person to have at the helm than somebody like Kamala Harris in this situation. Her yeah, her like, performance at the at, at the border, with the whole border
1: crisis that she was supposedly put in charge of, was just absolutely terrible. She was no well, she, she didn't get a single vote in that home nominee race either. She was the first one out. <laughs> Sorry, her,
0: her yeah her approval ratings are shockingly low. And they think that they can play the woke identity politics game because she's a woman of color that they'll win win the the woke crowd. But I think that uh, I think that history is starting to show more and more that that's
1: not what people are looking for.
0: No, people correct. want well, that's
1: confidence true. and merit. They do well. We need it as well. Let's pull yeah. up this uh, Candace Owen video, mate, and then uh, get
0: as a Jack tweet, and I thought he was being funny. Reporter, well, sanctions deter Putin allegedly from Jack. I don't know if we can trust him, but he says that she says, quote, within the context then of the fact that that window is still opening, although open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open. Now, he says actual quote, I don't believe it is. Let's cut to some footage to see if that's what she really said. Within the context, then, of the fact that that window is still opening, although open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect, we believe, has merit.
1: Those are words. Okay. Point of our time. <laughs> those, are,
0: those are a lot of words.
1: Well. <laughs> that <Those laughs> is a lot of words. No, I think, yeah, again, Karen, lovely interaction here. She you know, said earlier that she's a joke and here's asleep. I agree 100%. Mm, we that.
0: appreciate the comments, Karen. Thank you.
1: Definitely, definitely. No, it's, it's kind of scary to think that those two are at the helm and in charge of you know, arguably the most powerful country or nation on earth right now. And um, obviously we know that they're not the only ones in control there. The president in all reality can only do so much, but they're the figureheads of um, the free world right now. Mm. So it's just terrifying.
0: Shall so we what, move on to uh, yeah. what's happening on our shores then, Chris?
1: Let's do that. Let me just bring up this screen again. And again, this is a uh, an article from, um, let me just get this one here, add to stream. There we go. Uh, this is an article from Alexandra Marshall, and she's an absolute beast when it comes to writing about this sort of stuff and keeping us informed. Now, this here makes absolutely zero sense. Uh, essentially Woolworths has decided that they're going to maintain their decision that they made last year to start sacking unvaccinated staff from today, I believe it is, the February 28th. Or, uh, yeah, 28th of February. Um, <clears throat> essentially what, what she's saying here is that while many countries across the world have ditched COVID health orders entirely, declaring the pandemic over and the Omicron variant comparable to the flu for most people, which mm. is what most of us have been saying from the from almost the very beginning at the very least, Mm -hmm. Now, supermarket giant Woolworths is standing by its announcement in October 2021 to sack all unvaccinated staff by February 28, 2022. This is absolutely just mind boggling. Uh, You know, you look at countries like the UK um, and there's a whole bunch more of them that are happening over in, in Europe itself that are rolling back all mandates whatsoever. New South Wales, I believe, even doesn't even have any mandates right now, you know, in terms of requiring vaccines to enter locations and premises Yet, Woolworths is going to maintain its decision to fire anyone who's not vaccinated. And the, there are a little bit, de- a few details to this. One of them is the fact that if someone wants to get the Nova va- vaccine, which has recently been approved apparently by the, the government here, they have until I think uh, it's in the article here March. Um, where is it? They have until March. Uh, they have until sometime in March, right, to get this Novavax vaccine, which has only just been approved, right? Mm -hmm. And and again, none of these things have been, you know, run for long-term periods of time. Uh, Unless they're gonna get that, they are gonna be sacked essentially, which is absolutely disgraceful. Uh, And again, the science has shown for the vast majority of people, you know, um, COVID is not that big of an issue, right? And by all means, if you want to, if you feel like you're at risk, is go get, you know, go get the shot, do whatever you need to do to protect yourself. However, mandating this, the workers of Woolworths, who might I also add, Woolworths is what's called, uh, classified as an essential business, right? Which means that they serve unvaccinated patrons. So yeah. why why can unvaccinated customers, of which, you know, I am an unvaccinated person, I do go to Woolworths or Coles, whatever, we can go through the store and purchase all we want. Um, yet their staff, cannot work if they are unvaccinated that is absolutely disgusting and again uh scomo doing nothing nowhere to be seen for this uh it's it's absolutely disgusting i don't know what your thoughts are on this jake
0: well i mean it's just that's just the way that scomo is i think we've realized that by now that he's not he's not a strong man he's not a brave man and he's not a man of principle and character and i wish i didn't have to say that about a liberal prime minister of australia but. That's just the way it is. And ScoMo is not, not about to stand up and he's not a man who is, is fundamentally um, a man of character and values. And he should be because he is a Christian and he is what, when he was elected, he was probably considered somebody who was a Christian, a liberal, a conservative, and somebody who was going to stand up for those values, but he's done not, no such thing during this pandemic. So it's really disgraceful. And, and obviously, it's Woolworths, it's a political move. It's got nothing to do with health. And I don't even have to say that. And I feel stupid saying that because everyone knows this by now. But it's so bleedingly obvious right now that this is just purely political by these corporations. And then the interesting part is what happens when you draw a straight line past the top of the of the Woolworths food chain? No pun intended there. But, you know, at the top of the food chain in Woolworths, who are they? What connections do they have? What big corporate mergers are going on there? And where can you trace that to
1: 100% and then, you know, this sort of fits into the whole bigger great reset narrative that's been going on out there. And one of the things I want to bring in is uh, the ESG score. And uh, this is mainly affecting, I think, large corporations of which Woolworths is one. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is driving them uh, in some way, shape or form. And essentially what this ESG score is going to be is it's going to be a credit uh, social credit score. Beginning with large corporations and their suppliers and their companies, but then ultimately ending up with uh, individuals like us, Mm. um, determining whether we can actually buy the food, uh, buy any sort of food, get any loans and essentially live our lives. Uh, That ESG score in combination with the, uh, what is it, it's the central bank digital currency, I believe Mm -hmm. will be freedom's undoing if it's allowed to come into play and come into practice because the... um, central bank digital currency will actually be programmable and it's it's what that basically means is that they can say what you can and can't spend that money on so mm. if, if you've spoken out against the government or you've done something they do not like and this is also something that's there's, there's two things that can determine what they do and don't like one is the government and the other is the employer and so the reason why they've got the employer in there is because of the esg score so um the the again we'll, we're going to do another video breaking this down in a lot more detail and depth but in the a short summary is uh, part of the ESG requirements that these large investment firms and I guess governments going to have is that uh, employees conduct a certain amount of time of volunteering, right? So then uh, the employer will then have to go to the the staff member and say, look, we need you to volunteer at this particular charity on Saturday. We don't care whether you like it or not. If you're not going to do that, we're going to have to get rid of you. And so mm. then if if the employee does not do that. The, the fact that the employer and the government has uh, control over the, the digital currency, that will then affect what you can and can't buy and go against your score. And this is truly terrifying. Like, mm. we're talking about it here just in general conversation, but it is truly terrifying. I'm reading the Great Reset book right now with, uh, by Klaus Schwab and making a whole bunch of different notes in there for a breakdown of it all. Uh, and if you read these books, don't even take any of our words for it. Go read the source. Go find the, you know, go to the World Economic Forum. Go to uh, what else is there? Uh, read the books, The Great Reset and The Great Narrative. Read all these bits and pieces and look at the the websites and the, the governments out there. You'll see this is all coming into place. If, if this is allowed to happen, I think we can say goodbye to freedom. And, you know, again, everything that's happening over in Ukraine and Russia right now will be the least uh, of our issues.
0: Mm, well, I mean, in the, in the eyes of the mainstream media, it'll be the biggest of our issues. But that's what Orwell sort of prophesies, isn't it? That we're always at war correct uh, always at war and war is always a distraction and people sort of don't understand the tyranny that's going on in their own on their own correct. shores and the digital identity bill is another one that's going to tie into all of this as well i posted on contrarian daily instagram a great video of russell brand mm. breaking down great. the propaganda adverts that is digital identity bill
1: yeah he's absolutely fantastic he has been a real good voice for freedom I'm just seeing Karen's asking in here about the why, where are the unions and why aren't people going to Fair Work Australia? I ask 100%, uh, but again, uh, I think Fair Work Australia has been very, very quiet and is not doing a single thing, uh, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, and then the
0: unions have their own sort of nefarious ties as well. So. Correct. Correct. <laughs>
1: so let me just try to find the part in here as well, uh, about Fair Work Australia. Um, which is just absolutely disgusting. Uh, Alexandra, she writes about it in here. Um, yeah, I can't find it as of yet. But essentially, yeah, they're not doing anything. And especially with the freezing the bank accounts in Canada as well, it is absolutely terrifying. All this sort of stuff that's happening and and going to continue to happen as well. Um, it's just yeah. it's just what we can
0: pretty comfortably called neo-fascism. It's the merging between governments and corporations, and then you can see that if if you can bring into law that you can freeze people's bank accounts, so the governments and the banks and the massive corporations are working hand in hand like that, then that, that is what
1: the modern, that is modern day incarnation of fascism has become. It is. And also, like, if you think back to 1984, the book, right, in that book, um, there's always perpetual war. There's the three main areas in, in the world. I think it was like Eurasia, Oceania. Like a, a thick, oceania that's the one and the third one i can't remember whatever the third one was but they were always at war with each east other east asia east asia there you go they're always at war and that, that's exactly what we're looking at here as well in terms of perpetual war and um yeah it's, it's terrifying it another thing too that's interesting is it's looking at the evolution of warfare we'll do a, a deeper dive of this as well but it just in the high level of it back in the day warfare used to be a lot more violent in terms of military action but also a lot more restricted to just literally being uh, towards the soldiers. So you know, mm-hmm. if you look at the American Civil War, uh, at the very, very beginning in the first battle, the, the civilians were up on the hill having a picnic watching the battle. And there was very strict rules in terms of what you could and couldn't do to civilians. So for the most part, uh, soldiers wouldn't engage civilians unless they ransacked the town post the victory. As we've moved on and progressed, the, uh, I guess the, the scale has gone away from military violence and towards engaging the pop, the civilian population in warfare but in terms of uh, propaganda so you look at obviously mm. a world war 2 you know world war 1 world war 2 where the population was generally involved more but then the, the watershed moment was vietnam vietnam was one because it lost the usa lost the will of the population and the people and the vietnamese or the north vietnamese recognized that if they can break the will of the american people they would lose the support for the war so they didn't they lost militarily they, they lost 10 to 1 or way more than 10 to 1 in terms of the soldiers but they won the war because they were able to engage the civilian population and that's continued on as well you look at places like iraq and syria afghanistan etc militarily those places have lost but the reason why they are technically i guess you would say quote-unquote won mm. is because they've lost the will of the people and what we need to recognize today we're at the point in time where the the military violence that's going to go on is going to be a lot less typically hmm. but we are all engaged in warfare and it's from propaganda from our own governments and also the other governments it's the civilians that are at war now uh, rather than being uniquely the soldiers and again we will do a, a deeper dive in this and show the the receipts of this all but we're all in a situation now where we can't just go oh the war's over there and we can't you know we're not a part of it we are a part of it now because we are the civil- civilian population we are getting marketed to and all the propaganda from all sides, you know, from the Russians, the Americans, Australia, from all over the place. And we need to keep our head on the swivel as, as our civilians and also keep well-informed. And that's also part of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to keep everyone well-informed and, and so they can take you know, action for their own uh, benefit. But again, uh, it's something that we need to be considerate of is the fact that we are at war uh, in terms of psychological warfare and the propaganda warfare and the military action will become less and less over time. I don't know if you have any thoughts around that, Jake.
0: Could not have said it better myself. We're absolutely not sitting on the hill having a picnic watching at the moment. And I think <laughs> that people need to understand exactly what you just said, is, which is what modern day warfare looks like and what mm. fascism looks like this day and age and what communism looks like. What you were describing before and what we just said is that's what neo-fascism looks like. What does communism look like today? Look at the World Economic <laughs> Forum. Go and look at the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab. And I'm sure that there would be people who have some many people who have some sort of a lineage with actual communism within within those within those groups. So um it's important to understand what it looks like. It's not gulags and concentration camps and it's not massive military parades these days. In the age of information, in the age of technology, these isms have moved on and they've
1: become something more, more, you know, modern. More sophisticated. Mm and it's you know again it doesn't look good to put people in gulags and things like that now and why why should you have to if you can just enslave them to their own you keep them in lockdown they've got the internet and all sorts of stuff but the internet where they can only see what you want to show them because you look at what's happened over the last couple of years with the COVID situation and a whole bunch of other things we're only like everyone that disagrees or had disagreed with the narrative were either shouted down or labeled or uh, simply censored so we're definitely moving towards a, a situation where uh it would be more peaceful it's kind of like um, uh, Brave New World as well. Where I think it's a, a bit of a merger between 1984 and Brave New mm-hmm. World, and also Fahrenheit 411 or 911. 911. Nine yeah. That's the one where we're sort of we're only going to have access to certain information. So in Fahrenheit 911, all the books were burnt. You couldn't have books. Fahrenheit 911. Uh, I thought I didn't. I thought
0: that was a Michael Moore documentary.
1: Uh, no. There's a, there's a movie and also a book I believe called Fahrenheit something, and it's right. basically it's about the fact that they in the future all books are banned, right? And they burn them all. If you, if you get caught with books, you get, you know, enslaved or you go to jail, you get killed and that's sort the of stuff, books burns. Then you've got 1984 when you, you, there's no history, right? The history is constantly being rewritten. Mm-hmm. And all those bits and pieces. But then also you have Brave New World where people live that good of a life and, and mm. a comfortable life where there's yeah. no need for them to take action. And they also have that drug called Soma, which yeah. whenever you feel uncomfortable or anxious, you just take this drug called Soma and you feel normal again. And again, you look at, Big Pharma and all the, the antidepressants that have been going on out there that's skyrocketed through. It's the such roof. a good
0: point. And also with yeah. Brave New World, you've got the hypersexualization of the society as well, which is, pretty, which is indicative of what we've seen at the moment. And well, 1984 yeah. is more of a heavy handed, uh, mm. like 1940s Germany esque or Stalin esque type uh, government, whereas, uh, whereas, brave new world, they tend to play on the heat, like the natural inclination that people have towards hedonism. And the stone pill is a perfect way of, of showing that as well. So they, you, you see a little bit of both of them, for sure, and I actually don't know which one you see more of. I think it's so that you see a lot of both of them.
1: Well, it's kind of like carrot and stick, you know, I think you'll mm. see the, the stick when they need to use that more and you'll see the carrot when they need to use that more as well. Um, regardless, though, we are moving towards uh, an, an authoritarian uh, future where freedom, privacy, all those things are going to be lost. Um, and that's definitely not a, a good thing. Um, I don't know if you want to, do you have anything else you want to go over right now, Jake? We might go to look at some more footage from Russia as well, or the Ukraine conflicts, unless you have anything else you want to cover?
0: No, no, no. I think that, uh, wait, let's go look at some some footage.
1: Yeah, let's have a look and see. There's, again, you guys can still see my screen. I let's think tomorrow
0: you. maybe we'll cover uh, the, Swift, the SWIFT Bank and uh, the, what SWIFT is and...
1: We'll go through that in, in a bit of detail in tomorrow's episode. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, very, very good idea. Because that, that's a big deal, those sanctions. Mm. Um, and essentially, I think also uh, the Europe, uh, European Union, they've also banned all flights from Russia, I believe. Is that right? So there's no flights out of Russia over the European Union, I believe. Right.
0: Yeah, well, uh, let's, yeah. let's cover that in tomorrow's episode, all the sanctions.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Well, let, let's have a look at uh, a couple more of these, and then we'll wrap up today's episode. Um let me just see what what do you think is a good one to look at if there's anything that's sticking out to you there mate uh this uh, one no, i haven't seen any of them yeah so this one here's a, a russian patrol being ambushed uh we'll look at a civilian removing a landmine, uh just like he's you know going for a walk in the park uh maybe also this insurgency thing in terms of the molosov cocktail and then um yeah, that, that, that might do for now, actually, I think. So what we're looking at here, or what we're going to watch in this video is a dismounted patrol uh, that's ambushed in uh, Kharkiv as per the video uh, title. Uh, what you'll notice, what these vehicles are, these are those tigers that were destroyed. They're not, probably not the same tigers, but they're the same vehicle that were destroyed in the column earlier that we saw at the, at the beginning of the video. Uh, and you'll see there's the obviously the vehicles and the infantry. And uh, when they get fired upon, the vehicles will shoot back with the machine guns and the infantry will disperse right. and uh, you'll see what happens. I was we'll to get through this ad. There we go. So well until then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. This does go for a little while. I might just, just forward it here. So the Russians are firing at the Ukrainian? No, so that's the, that column is a, a Russian column, and the Ukrainians right. are shooting at the Russians in the column there. Hmm. And this is the, them backing it up afterwards as well. So you, you would have noticed there in the last few seconds here, one of the soldiers shoots a rocket at one of the houses. So it indicates that the Ukrainians had let the Russians come through their hmm. lines and then engaged them, which makes sense from what you see. If you watch in the middle of the screen, you'll see the, the fire there, boom. Right. Yeah. And this is obviously the Russian column backing up. Um, you can just imagine how difficult it'll be uh, fighting house to house like this and street to street. Uh, this is a civilian removing a landmine. So it um, won't go too long on this one, but he just walks off uh, and puts it in the bushes.
0: Far out. I mean, we've got the only in Australia videos, but do we have it only in Ukraine? Yeah. Which <laughs> would be yeah. a, new, a new subcategory. This
1: one definitely needs to be up there for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he just basically He's goes and a cigarette time. as well. That's pretty right, exactly. I know. Zero <laughs> F. <laughs> uh and this one here this is um footage of what appears to be civilians um throwing a molotov cocktail at one of the russian columns um you'll see the the column you'll see the civilian on the right hand side throw the molotov cocktail from the right to the left there and it will be uh towards the back end of this video Hmm. the thing that gets me just while waiting is the civilians just walking past doing their everyday lives while the military is driving past it's crazy yeah and I think this one here, yeah, boom! Oh, wow! Yeah, good shot. <laughs> yeah, it was. I know, I know. Now, obviously, you know, it's it's just the beginnings okay. of it, and you can people see people are just going through. about their going about their daily lives, and just
0: there's this Russian trucks, military trucks, just rolling through. I guess it's, that's how it goes, isn't it? I mean. Yeah.
1: It is. Well, you know, you used to see those um, the dash cam footage of like in, in Russia, only in Russia and things like that, where the people drive along and there's like cars, you know, with tens of people in there and trucks and tanks and stuff. It's mm. kind of like that here too, because you'll see there's other footage here that we, we could get into in future episodes where the cars are driving along and all of a sudden they start getting hit by all sorts of mortar attacks and rockets. Mm. And, uh, there's even one that we covered, I think, the other day where a taxi driver is yeah. driving towards a bridge and it just explodes in front of it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Oh, it's It's, it's a different world out there. It is. And that's the other thing, too. We have to be very grateful for what we've got here in terms of, you know, we don't have to deal with this. But the thing that I, I, I and I, you and I talk about this a lot, is the the masculinity levels and things like that compared to, you know, over there versus over here. Um, mm. We, and I think even, who was it? I think Manny or um, Andrew Berger, someone put up a post about the, no, it was actually the Primod. He's like, you know, the Russians and the Ukrainians, they wake up and they run around in the snow and things like that. Mm, we wake up over here and shit. And- yeah. That's it, Russell Bears, and we're over here arguing about pronouns, and it's like, yeah, you'd know who would win uh, in in a conflict between us. Exactly. And- they
0: have no choice but to be stoic men because they live hard, hardened lifestyles, where from Correct. from the minute they're born, they're having to you know like fight bears and work backbreaking jobs in the snow, and they're they're very isolated and like it's it's kind of a situation where you have to be able to be a man of the house, take care of your family. And I imagine if you're a teenage boy, over in freaking Dagestan, you know, you can't be, you can't be soft. It's just, no. but whereas we absolutely have the, the chances for, for us to be soft over here are abundant. We can, there's so many soft things we can do. We'd sit around cuddling our pillows all day if we wanted to get in the dog. Right.
1: And, and you know, I know, um, I think it's a big problem and I know you think it's a big problem as well. And I think it's something we need to address as a country because again, you know. If something like this was to happen on our own shores mm-hmm. or affecting our own country, then I think there'd be a lot of people in trouble. And I think we need to get back to, um, yeah, and uh, back
0: just back. another thing, I, I I, was listening to a podcast today. And so in China, obviously, being the communist country that they are, every single country, every single major corporation or company is owned by the government. So the government's mm-hmm. got their hands in the pockets of you know your Alibaba's and TikTok. So, TikTok. The big decision makers at TikTok would be the heads of the Chinese Communist Party. So, if you're TikTok and you want to manage the algorithms of people in the West, your direct enemy, well, what, are you, gonna what are you going to put on those kids' screens? You're going to put oh, like little stupid, like little dancers and all that sort of and all that sort of stuff. It.
1: That's right. But then in
0: China, with their kids and their teenagers, they're putting informational things and things about science, science and technology that. and masculinity yeah. and. They're doing self-help, whereas they're just intentionally, and this is not even a conspiracy theory, but they're just intentionally dumbing down the kids of the West. So uh, correct. And, and this is, this is the age of information, and this is what warfare looks like nowadays. It, it's a war on the minds of our of, of our kids.
1: Yep, of the civilian population, which, again, we'll look at the evolution of warfare in detail, but you're right. And they also force breaks over there in China too, where in terms of on TikTok, after every five minutes, you've got to take a, a few-minute break not over here. They're going to let us watch all the pronoun and blue-haired crazy, you know, dancing <laughs> videos that we want to sort of dumb us down because they, they are preparing for uh, China's domination. Again, they've stated they want to dominate the world mm. by 2050 or 2040, I think it was. 2049, and so they make no bones about it. No, and you just look, you know, the art of war. This is the thing that's so funny is that all this information is all out there. If someone wants to read the information and connect the dots, it's mm. all there simple to see and plain to see. Um, but Unfortunately, not many people want to do that because they're too busy watching these dancing videos on TikTok.
0: And there are some good ones. I follow mm. some dancing videos. I've been guilty of it.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you participate in the dancing videos? That no. I would like to see. I think yeah, that would be, that'd I'm be funny. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. No, maybe not. Me and you can collaborate. <laughs> okay, maybe. Yeah, I'll make you look good. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, sounds good. Well, uh, yeah, look, that's about all I wanted to cover on today's uh, episode. then, mate. I don't know if you have anything else you want to do before we wrap up.
0: No, that's it. But uh, thank you guys for listening and make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Rumble, Facebook. Make sure you hit like, it, subscribe, hit the notification bell because we're going to be doing these episodes every day during the week and maybe some weekend episodes if there's a lot going on and a lot to be covered as well. So thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. All right, bye for now.